0: let me pray. And then we're in uh, the book of Exodus. We're going to be in chapter three today, but let me pray. And then we'll dive into the text together. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your grace to us, your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for the team that went to Houston and their report and uh, to see the ways that you're working in their lives. You're working through our church, working through your church in general. And uh, we pray that uh, we'd have the opportunity to go again and take many more be involved in your work and, and in building your kingdom. Father, I pray today now that you would uh, you teach us from your word. Holy Spirit, that you would uh, work in and through me as I teach and uh, that uh, my words would be yours. I pray against the enemy as servants, their works and effects. Uh, keep us from being distracted or uh, uh, confused, but instead make your word clear change us to be like Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in Exodus chapter three, and we're just going to dive right into the text today. You okay with that? This is a familiar passage. And uh, many of you, uh, even if you have no background in the church, you've probably heard of this story. Exodus chapter three. And here's how it starts. It says, now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. Last week, we saw Moses flee after he had murdered a man. And now uh, at this point, this is 40 years later, Moses is about 80 years old and he's keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. And here's what happens. He led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God, or or you may know that more uh, clearly as Mount Sinai. Have you heard of that? Heard of Mount Sinai? Um, Mount Sinai uh, shows up again, and when we get there in chapter 14, I'll say more about it, but uh, most of your maps in your Bible will show it on a little thing called the Sinai Peninsula, but I believe actually uh, Mount Sinai was probably in Saudi Arabia and not uh, part of Egypt. And uh, anyway, we'll say more about that when we get there. But a few things happen in Mount Sinai. You, we'll see the event that happens in a moment. Uh, Moses receives the 10 commandments there later. Elijah flees there from Jezebel and meets with God personally. And it's a place where God is uh, a multiple, multiple occasions, meets personally with his people. Well, in this text, in verse two, uh, so Moses comes to the mountain of God. He comes to Mount Sinai and it says in verse two, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. You familiar with this story? God appearing to Moses in the burning bush. I wonder, uh, as you think about that, um, first off, how do you picture this bush? I don't know about you, but when I was little, we had like these uh, green bushes in our front yard in front of the house in the house my mom still lives in. And so for me, the burning bush was just this little shrub that was on fire. Anybody else? Or maybe if you ever played the legend of Zelda, you know, and you burn a bush, some of you are about my age, you know, and there's this fire that goes over the bush and it burns up. Maybe it's just this really simple thing. Well, I, I want to show you a video. Because I I think uh, if it was just something like this this little bush on fire, I wonder if Moses would have really noticed it. Because we're going to see here in a moment, he does notice and he hears from God and God speaks to him through this bush. Let me show you this video and see if this gives you a better idea of what that bush might have looked like. Check this out. people are out there Moses you're not one of us they worship the god of Abraham you should never have let her keep him and he has deserted them I will be fairer (sniffs) you <sniffs> I have seen the misery of my people. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring them out of Egypt. There's a few things in that account. Creative license was taken, so it doesn't match exactly some of the text we see in scripture, especially some of the dialogue. But I think creatively, it gives you a good visual of what that might have looked like, doesn't it? Does that change your perception maybe of what's happening here? Moses is tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. And uh, as he's doing that, uh, God appears to him, In a burning bush. Now look at verse 2 with me again, and maybe we can grab the lights. Uh, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. We should stop there for a minute because what I want you to know and and come to understand is that when it says the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, in Hebrew it's uh, Malach Yahweh. Uh, I believe that uh, pretty much every time that happens, it's actually Jesus Christ appearing before his incarnation. Because Jesus is eternal. He didn't just start to exist at Christmas when he was born. He's God. And I believe he shows up multiple times in the Old Testament, this being one of them. Now, there's other understandings of who the angel of the Lord may be, but uh, I, I think uh, it's I really believe it is Jesus. And uh, as we keep going, I'll explain more of why that is. One of the things I appreciate about, uh, that's from the miniseries The Bible, that was on the History Channel in 2013, that video I played. And one of the things I appreciate about it is that the voice of God in the bush right there is the voice of the guy who plays Jesus when they get to the New Testament. Because I believe that's Jesus appearing to him in the burning bush. That's the angel of the Lord. So I think we could rightly read this. And Jesus appeared to him, appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, Moses said, the bush was burning and it was not consumed. Verse three, and Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight why the bush is not burned. So Moses turns to take a look. He turns to take a look at Jesus. Would you agree that, and maybe this is even you, that a lot of people kind of turn to take a look at Jesus and they take a look and maybe they even uh, sense his call on their life or maybe you have, but, but never really respond to it. I wonder if Moses will respond. Let's see. When the Lord saw that he had turned to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses's reply, he said, here I am. God calls to Moses, Jesus calls Moses and Moses responds. And he's gonna call him to follow him. Friends, you need to know that that Jesus has a call on your life and that call primarily is that you would follow him. Jesus calls you to follow him. He calls you to follow him. Did you know that? It's very clear in scripture, in fact. And um, we'll talk more about that as we continue going. But he calls everyone to turn to him in repentance and to follow him. God calls Moses to and Moses responds. He says, here I am. What? What do you have for me? What's next? In verse five, as we continue, then God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. See, Jesus is is kind. Jesus is personal. Jesus is our friend. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. He totally is. But he's also God. The New Testament uses the word meek to describe him. you've heard of Jesus being meek, maybe you've sung about it in some of your Christmas carols, right? That Jesus is meek. Meekness does not mean weakness. Meekness is simply power under control. And Jesus is the most meek of all because he has all authority. He has all power. And he has it under control. And so in his kindness, he befriends us. Yet never forget that the one you've been befriended by is God Almighty. It's God Almighty. And, and Moses is reminded of it right away. He's, he, Jesus says to Moses, don't come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy. Why is it holy? Why is it set apart? Because Jesus is there. So it's set apart. It's holy. He's in the presence of his creator right here. Ecclesiastes tells us in chapter five, verse one, to guard your steps when you go to the house of God approach him with reverence. Yes, as a friend, but never forgetting that he's God. In your 110 group this week, you're going to study some descriptions of Jesus in the Bible. And as you do, keep that in mind, uh, specifically the descriptions of his deity. You get to Revelation and you see him with eyes of fire, with power, Well, uh, Jesus tells Moses to take his sandals off his feet. He would do the same to Joshua in Joshua chapter five. And he said to him, he said to Moses, he said, verse six, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now that's why when it says the angel of the Lord appeared, uh, the angel here is declaring, an angel just means messenger. Did you know that, that word? It means messenger. So it's the messenger of the Lord. It's the messenger of Yahweh. And he's saying, I am the God of your father Jacob. This is Jesus. This is God speaking to Moses from the bush. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Ding! Moses recognizes when he hears that description, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, exactly who this is. He knows immediately that God is remembering his promise to Abraham to care for his people who are currently back in Egypt in slavery. And as soon as Moses recognizes who it is, look at what Moses does. He's already taken the sandals off his feet. Now, Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look, not at the bush, but where? At God. Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah has an experience where he gets to go into the throne room and see Jesus in his glory. Listen to this description from Isaiah chapter six. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. He was high and lifted up and the train of his robe, describing Jesus, filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, Each had six wings, and with two he covered his face, with two his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other, and they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And here's what Isaiah, here's what, here was Isaiah's response. Just like Moses hid his face, here's what Isaiah did. Isaiah said, woe is me for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Moses was afraid to look at God lest he die. And then Jesus said, the Lord said, verse seven, I have surely seen, Moses, the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. Friends, Jesus sees your affliction. He sees your situation. Jesus knows your situation. In Exodus chapter 2, Exodus chapter 2 ended by saying, and God saw his people Israel and God knew. Leaving them there in affliction. He sees and he knows. And here, here's the best part of all of that, though. Jesus sees, Jesus knows, and Jesus saves. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's going on in your life or in your world this week. But you need to know, as uh, it says in Acts chapter 4, as they preach, there's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And Peter tells us that this one, Jesus, you can cast all of your anxieties, all of your cares, all of your burdens and affliction upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. The one that, that Moses is seeing in glory also cares personally for you. That's an incredible thought to get your mind around that Jesus sees, he knows, and he saves. Well, he tells Moses, I know their sufferings. And then in verse eight, and I have come down. See, here it is, they say, I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up out of that land to do into a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. As we get further into the Exodus, God is gonna lead his people by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. And it's gonna say the angel of the Lord goes before all of his people. Who's that? Who's the angel of the Lord again? Jesus, yeah, Sunday school answer. If you don't know, say Jesus. Jesus is leading them. And he he takes them, he leads them out. He's the one he, he comes to Moses and says, I'm going to save my people. I'm going to deliver them. I've seen them, I know, and I'm going to save them. He does the same with us. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And and he's going to lead them to a land flowing with milk and honey. When I was a kid, all I could think of when I heard that line was honey nut Cheerios. <laughs> milk and honey, right? In a bowl. It was tasty. Well, by milk, it means it's gonna be a place where their cattle can graze and they can have milk. By honey, it likely refers to the, the date honey from all the fruit and goodness and fruit of the land. So it's a prosperous land he's gonna take him to. And then he lists uh, all these people, the place where currently are living, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, all the ites are living there. And he's gonna take it and give that, give that land to his people. And now Jesus says, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. I have also seen the oppressions with which the Egyptians oppress them. Jesus comes to Moses, he calls him to follow him and he comes to you and he calls you to follow him. And the next thing that happens, every time Jesus calls someone to follow him and they respond, do you know what happens next? He sends them. If you're called by Jesus and you respond to that call and become a Christian, The next thing that happens is you are sent by him on mission. Look, here's what happens to Moses. Because if you respond to his call, he will send you. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh. Remember, he said, Moses, Moses, what did Moses say? Here I am. And then what does Jesus say? Come, I'm sending you. You responded, now you get to go. That, that hasn't changed either, friends. If, if you're a Christian, you are sent by God on mission. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. God sends us, Jesus sends us. In fact, it's really clear in the New Testament, John seventeen eighteen. Jesus is praying uh, for his disciples and for all who would believe after them because of them. Who does that include? Well, you and me. He's praying for us in John 17. And he says, as you sent me into the world, Father, so I have sent them into the world. He sent you. Are you a Christian? Have you trusted Jesus Christ? You've been sent. You're his sent one, just like Moses. John 20, verse 21, he says it again. He says to them directly, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. You're sent. Our God's a missionary God, a sending God. Now, a lot of times when we think about that, we think of being sent. We think of like going to some faraway place, you know, like, oh, I got, you mean, so I've got to like sell everything and move to the middle of Africa, right? Maybe, probably not, maybe. But but really he, he's, he's sending you to be sent on a mission just means that you're sent to fulfill a mission of some sort, to take on a task. And that task is, well, we articulate it like this as a church. We are sent, you want know, say it with me? We are sent to love people and invite them to follow Jesus with us. Now that might mean going overseas somewhere. That might mean going for a week to Houston. That might mean, think ahead 24 hours with me. Where will you be tomorrow morning at 11, 10 a.m.? Where will you be tomorrow morning at 11:10 a.m.? You are sent there. You are sent there. You've been sent by Jesus Christ there. Why? Well, to love the people you interact with, to eventually invite them to follow Jesus along with you so that they too can be sent. And you're sent to love because that's what Jesus does. We're sent like him. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Well, here, let's look back in Exodus again. Jesus is sending Moses. And, and you, you might be reacting like Moses did. Moses, look at his response. But Moses said to God, well, who am I? Who am I that you would send me? (laughs) Do you know know who I am? You're sending me? Do you remember my past, Lord? Like 40 years ago, I murdered a guy. That's why I'm living over here in the desert, tending sheep. Do you know what I did? Who am I to go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Maybe you're thinking, who am I to love the person that I'm in the cubicle next to tomorrow morning? Who who am I to do that? Well, Jesus calls you to follow him. And if you respond to his call, he will send you. And here's the best news of all. If you go, if you obey and you go, he will be with you. He will be with you. what he said, how he responded to Moses' question. Who am I to do this? He said, Jesus said, but I will be with you. He could have stopped right there and that would have been enough. But I'll be with you. And this, in case that's not enough, this will be a sign for you that I've sent you. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God back on this mountain. You're gonna get all of them and you're all coming here. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you and they ask me, what is his name? What will I say to them? Let's back up just a minute again here because uh, Jesus' words are consistent all throughout scripture. Here to Moses, he says, uh, but but Moses, uh, I'll be with you. Fast forward to some of his final words before his ascension in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. He says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And behold, what? I will be with you. Even to the end of the age. Jesus is the same yesterday. Back when he told Moses, I'll be with you. Today, when he says to us, go make disciples and behold, I'll be with you. And tomorrow, when he takes us all to be with him forever, he's the same. And so Moses said, if I go and they ask your name, what do I say? And God said to Moses, Jesus said, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Did you know that I am is God's personal name? Yahweh in Hebrew. In other words, I be, I exist. I've always been, I've never not been, I am. And if you want more proof that I believe this is Jesus in Exodus chapter three in the burning bush, Jesus, when he was questioned in John chapter eight and and they asked what authority, he taught some of the things he taught, he said to the Pharisees, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He didn't say before Abraham was, I was, or before Abraham was, I existed. He switched tense to the very present. And he says, before Abraham was, I am. Because it's not like I was or I will be. No, I am. And I always am. Jesus declared himself to be God there, friends. He's calling you to follow him. Will you respond? If you do, he'll send you. And if you go, he'll be with you. You don't have to fear. God goes on and he gives Moses more instruction. Uh, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I'm to be remembered through all generations. He, he, he gives him all the instructions he needs to go. And he does the same with us, friends. If Listen, there's a call on your life by Jesus Christ. He's calling you to turn in repentance toward him, to trust him, to become a Christian. If you've already done that, then guess what? You are sent and he has sent to you just like he sent Moses. Where will you be tomorrow, next week, next month? God knows. And he sent you there to love those people, to invite them to follow Jesus with you. And if you obey, and if you go like he's sending you, you don't need to fear because he will be with you. Next week, we're going to come back to this text a little bit, and we're going to see Moses respond like probably any one of us would. Going, I don't know about that. That's a little scary. Even in light of this promise that he'll be with us. And we're going to see Moses, you know, God's going to say, uh, Moses is going to reply, you know, here I am, send someone else. You know, the opposite of Isaiah, here I am, send me. We're going to see that. Not next, actually, not next week, but in two weeks. Because next week will be Easter. So you get a chance to practice before we get there, don't you? You know, next week, this place is gonna be packed. There's gonna be so many people. And I would encourage you as you come to park as far away as you can. If you need to park close, park close. That's why the rest of us are parking far away. And, uh, but I would encourage you this week. Do you know, if, if, you, if you're sent to love people and invite them, this week is like one of the two easiest invites you can make Every year. Nobody's offended when you invite them to come to church with you on Easter or at Christmas. No one, no, I, I don't think anybody would be. And in fact, you can pick up one of these little cards on your way out that says you're invited. You can give it to somebody, or maybe it's got a little map and tell them where to go, and, and maybe you'd bring them along next Sunday because next week. We're going to sing. It's going to be a big celebration. And, and we're going to take a break from this series. And, and I'm just going to preach the gospel and explain who Jesus is, what he did, and why it matters, and why you should trust him. But you have a chance now to live this out this week because you've been called, and now you're being sent. And if you obey, he's with you the whole of every moment. Let's pray.